This podcast is presented by the Bet Parks online casino and sportsbook app. New customers download now and get up to $1,000 in casino bonus back if you're not a winner in your first 24 hours. See BetParks.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 in PA, New Jersey, Maryland, Michigan, or Ohio. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult to Today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation semi annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal too. Schedule a no obligation in home estimate now. Call 866 Nation or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Ladies and gentlemen, we're taking the podcast on the road this season. We want you to come with us. We're heading to Tampa. We're heading to Nashville. We're heading to New Orleans and maybe a couple other surprises. Thanks to fansofphilly.com. That's P-H-A-N-S, fansofphilly.com. They put all the packages together for us. We're going to hit the road. Set it and forget it. Four-star hotels, direct flights, tickets to the game, tailgates, pregame festivities, and can be a part of our show's as we're there the whole weekend, wherever we are going. Fansofphilly.com. Make sure you use the code BGN so we all stick together and come have fun with us as we cheer on our Super Bowl champion, Philadelphia Eagles, and take over every stadium that we are in this season. Fansofphilly.com. Promo code BGN. Michael Kiss. Hey, somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a hand. And Benjamin Solak. I know it's a big night when he asked for honey. He said he wants honey. It's the Kiss and Solak Show. I love those guys. Right here on BGN Radio. You are flying high on the Kissed and Solak Show. Episode 35 brought to you by the fine folks at BGN Radio. I am your host, Michael Kist. You can follow my work for InsideThePylon.com, BleedingGreenNation.com. Follow me on Twitter at MichaelKistNFL. As always, I am joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Seven Year Streak Without a Bad Day. He is Benjamin Solak of Bleeding Green Nation, and NDTScouting.com is where you can find his excellent draft work. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben, how you doing, brother? Man, you know every day is a good day to be alive, especially when a top three idol in your life powers his basketball team to victory. Yes, I am talking about TJ McConnell, who is the adult version of me, I like to think. <laughs> Listen, five seven unathletic white dudes always think we belong on a basketball court, and we never do. And TJ McConnell is the exception that proves the rule, and he's an inspiration to all of us. And I'm now so much more inspired to be a really bad basketball player shamelessly in pickup games here on campus. Like, this is... He, he's he's fueled me as he always does behold greatness tj mcconnell i love that i love that so you have revived your dreams of becoming an nba basketball player i have revived my dream of not talking about carson wentz and dak prescott during the summer because those debates are stupid we already know who is the better quarterback and instead i have pivoted to genghis khan versus napoleon 
Yeah, that's uh, some nonsense. I don't know anything about. Mike hit me up, gentle listeners, and we were just chatting about something, and I forget what we even got on the topic, but Mike just suddenly hits me with, yo, man, you would not have done well in Sparta. And I was like, yeah, Mike, that's a great point. That changes my outlook. And then I did a little research, and yo, Spartans were messed up with how they treated their babies. That was some nonsense. Yeah, they would have thrown you over the cliff for, for your size, for sure. And then by the time you got to a gogi, like, you would have been pretty messed up doing some agogi for sure but yeah all right i think we have a history question in the mailbag which is what we're going to be doing today we are going to be answering questions from you gentle listener we still have a couple of days left until the rookie mini camp start we'll have some takes on that as that starts to come but right now it's kind of a slow season we've already touched on the timmy jernigan news go back and listen to that uh both us and i think it was episode 313 I believe, of BGN Radio. I think it's the newest one, so check that out. They go into depth about the whole Timmy Jernigan situation. Let's get to some of these counterpart mailbag questions. Uh, first one from Bryce Rossler at BT Rossler. I'm going to switch this up a little bit. Uh, <laughs> not safe for work. If you have kids in the car, you might want to fast forward about 30 seconds or something like that. So kill, bang, Mary, Nigel Bradham, Jordan Hicks, Michael Kendricks, go. Ben, you want to go first on this one? I have no context by which to possibly answer this. I do not. We've received questions like this before, and I never understand by which criteria I'm supposed to evaluate these three actions towards these three gentlemen. Uh, I like Jordan Hicks a lot. I think he's a very good player, uh, but he's injury prone. And so Bradham is the safest bet of the three. So I guess I marry him because that's more long term, right? Yeah. And I want to be go. I want to be with him long term. <laughs> but Hicks, I want to keep around, so I would not kill him. So I suppose I am I'm having sex with Jordan Hicks. <laughs> and then Kendricks is the one that I don't I don't trust. I don't think he's reliable. I think he's going to be out pretty soon. I don't think he's a great player week in week out. So I'm going to murder him, which seems grossly overstating the issue here. I would just like to to maybe bring in some camp competition for Michael Kendricks. I'd like to Corey Nelson Michael Kendricks, but instead I'm ending his life, which is a terrible shame. That's my answer, Bryce. Uh, that's how I would treat those three linebackers. We got we got some sound bites off that one. Appreciate the question, Bryce. As always, uh, I'm gonna go in that in that same order without subjecting myself to future sound bites, which I'm sure John Barchard is yeah, immediately. Yeah, that's you pulling. get to you get to be the one who asks the questions, and I gotta answer this nonsense, man. <laughs> okay, so here you go. I'll I'll, I'll throw you this one because I don't want to have to try to answer this. <laughs> Would you describe the Eagles' Super Bowl win as similar to the Battle of? Teutoburg Forest oh, wow. or the Battle of Hastings? Obviously, there's a correct answer here. We all know it collectively. But okay. I want to see if you know it, Mike. Hit it. <laughs> yeah, so there's actually uh, – I found similarities between both of them. With the Battle of Teutoburg, he's got a statue for, for this battle. Basically, what happened was, right, Arminius is in the Roman army. Uh, he defects to his old tribesmen with Germany, and they lead three Roman legions down this narrow pass, right? So there's high mountains to the left of them, and there's a swampy, swampy marsh uh, to the right of them. So nowhere to go, and they just descend and knock out these three legions. So that surprise attack, I can't really draw much of a comparison there with the Eagles winning the Super Bowl, other than maybe the whole statue thing with Nick Foles. With the Battle of Hastings, hmm. you, you've got uh, w William... Uh, who's a Norman, got Harold with the English, and they did a little bit of, uh, William did a little bit of feign flight 
little little misdirection, go in and attack, and then act like you're retreating. They did this a couple of times, and it, and it pulled the English off of their fortified fighting position. So they come down to chase them, thinking that they're running away, and then they turn around and pretty much uh, put put work in on them. So that kind of reminded me of, of, of an RPO. What? No. <laughs> no. You're not just, this not, you can't just put, like, they hit that kind of reminds me of an RPO, swing right by and act like that's an okay thing to say. Y'all are nuts. Okay, go ahead. The distraction was to, to get them off of that fortified position, that place where the linebacker is supposed to be, and then attack. I mean, okay, so don't even attack the hill, but whatever. Anyway. Harold did leave some of his troops, uh, the Southern English troops. He he dismissed them. So I'm going to go with the Malcolm Butler correlation there with Bill Belichick leaving behind Malcolm Butler, not playing him, however you want to call it. I'm going to say it's more like the Battle of Hastings. And this has been History Talk with Michael Kist here on BGN Radio. Let's get to the next question, Ben. Uh, something that you're more suited to answer. Is that the answer you had, by the way? Yeah, obviously. Idiot. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> All right. This is from David Tomei at D underscore Tomei, T-O-M-E-I. Who mans the slot? Question mark. I don't see Maddox contributing there right away. Jones has quick twitch ability and physicality, but is better outside. Speaking of Sidney Jones, Malcolm Jenkins can man up with big targets. Jalen Mills has the versatility to do it, but can he? In my opinion, that's the biggest question left to solve on this team. And I, I would agree with that assessment as far as right now, who is playing that position. I think all the other positions are definitely set. Maddox is definitely going to make a push for that. And we'll see how he looks in the rookie minicamps. Ben, do you have a prediction as far as how that shakes out moving forward? Yeah, I really like the way that David uh, asked this question because yep. you address Maddox first and it'll be Maddox's job. I wouldn't say to lose because he doesn't already have it, but the plan I think in the head of, of Jim Schwartz and of Harry Roseman is that Maddox comes in and proves that he can handle that job from day one. Uh, and I and, and, and I agree with what you said in the sense that I don't think he's ready to contribute in year one. And that's something that I wrote about for Bleeding Green, and you can go read that at bleedinggreennation.com. Uh, I, I, he's not there for me yet. And I think that there's a, a lot of technical refinement that's going to go into his game in, in the sense that he's a very strong physical player, but he plays out of control. Uh, he, he's very gifted, but he plays and sometimes his head comes off his shoulders a little bit and he gets a little crazy out there. And you're going to want to teach him how to dial that down and to use his athleticism more appropriately, which is not something that will preclude him from being on the field, but he will give up passes and he will give up separation. So I do agree. Maddox isn't necessarily going to be a year one contributor. Then you go into the secondary depth chart and you start trying to figure this out. And I think that what you nicely represented with that question was that it, it might be piecemeal. It may very much right. be Jalen Mills on the inside and and Cindy Jones and Ronald Darby on the outside on the depth chart, you know, starting. But then maybe Cindy Jones gets some inside reps against really quicker uh, slot guys because he's much quicker than Mills is, whereas Mills can stay with more physical players. If the team moves a, a tight end down into the slot a lot, as like, you know, a Philadelphia might do, then certainly Malcolm Jenkins could see time there. And the one name I would mention that you didn't is Jeremy Reeves. The undrafted free agent, rookie safety out of South Alabama, 
who I anticipate has a really good shot to make this roster. And one of the big things that will help him make this roster is the fact that he, not unlike Maddox, has significant nickel corner experience. Maddox was a was a nickel corner for all four years with Pitt. And Reeves was a nickel corner in South Alabama for three seasons before moving to safety in his final season. He didn't test as well as Maddox, but he's a good on-tape on player. And I think he'll be able to show that he has nice coverage ability when he's down in the box. And so you could see Reeves if he does make the roster, which I think, he again, he has a strong tan- chance of doing, do so because he can push himself into dime sets and play the nickel, play the slot. So right now, the answer is we're going to find out in camp. There's a lot of re- reasons to believe that certain players for Philadelphia can do it, but absolutely, they'd love for Maddox to win that job. Very nice, Ben. I, I got you on the next one. This is from Chris Carbaugh at duh underscore C train. Is there anyone among the UDFA slash FA class that can help us shore up our linebacking core. If I see any more games like those Giants games last year with a almost paper cut us to death twice, I'm going to lose it. Uh, I'm, I agree. I'm going to lose yeah. it as well because the, it's a super... The C-Train is leaving the station if the Giants paper cut us to death. That's the moral of the story. I like that, yeah. Uh, yeah, there is a guy, and I wrote about him when the Eagles signed him in the offseason. It's Corey Nelson, a name that Ben has already brought up on, on this show. Corey Nelson from the Denver Broncos signed with the Eagles for less than what the Broncos were going to give them or give him because the Eagles promised him more reps. Now, Nelson's role a couple years ago was a little more expansive when the Broncos, when they had some injuries in that linebacking core, and he took some reps as a starter. In about four or five games, he played significant reps, and he played well. I watched through all of his snaps with those games. Uh, I thought he had good range, be a good complement as a coverage linebacker for, for what we want to do. That next year, the linebacking core was a little bit more healthy. Nelson saw limited reps, a lot of special teams reps. He played on every unit on the special team. So he brings you uh, that value as well. But then he was their dime specialist backer. So when they wanted to go into pass coverage sets on long downs and distances, Nelson was the guy that came in and handled those responsibilities. So that's something where when you look against the Giants and they're unable to get the running game going against us and they get themselves in a situation where Saquon Barkley runs around for negative four yards on first down, Eli Manning throws one in the dirt on second down. On third down, that's a situation where you can bring a guy in like Nelson and he can contribute that way. And then he'll probably also find some some nickel responsibilities as well because he's definitely uh, solid. As a as a coverage linebacker in a lot of situations, so I think that's a spot we're going to see Nelson, and we're going to try to see if he can be a long term answer for us. So we definitely have to see what we have in him. Would you agree with that? Number one, can we are we good to move on? No, for sure. I mean, the only point that I would make would be that I think a lot of the issues from the Giants game were a result of cornerback play as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, just isolated routes on the backside without safety help and Jalen Mills biting at everything and Ronald Darby biting at some things. But obviously, you know, the games like that, you know, you need an entire defensive improvement when you're giving up points to the Giants. Let me bring you the next one, Mike. I want to ask you, I like this question. We can both answer this one. Mm-hmm. Ross Miller at Ross M434 asks, who should be the kick and punt returner this year? So not necessarily predictions, just who do you think is going to be the best guy for the positions? That's tough, man. That is real tough. Kenyon Barner was the guy doing it. Uh, Darren Sproles before that. Sproles is back, baby. So you might give it to him. Sproles might not be as explosive as he was pre-injury, and he's already kind of getting up there in age. Totally understandable. Uh, however, you know what you have with him back there. 
if you don't have a dynamic playmaking threat back there other than him, I think you go with the responsible one that you trust to make the right decisions, not screw up and cause turnovers, and take what's there. So I'm, I'm going to go with Sproles. It's just an early prediction for that. I hear you. I would like to see Shelton Gibson make Hay as the kick returner. That would be nice. we forget, Shelton Gibson can blaze. We're talking 4-3. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think, who else has sub 4-4, really like 4-3 low speed on the Eagles roster? Aguilar is close, but it's not 4-3 low. Um, yeah, I don't think it is. I think Maddox Ma- is also like Maddox around is- that 4-4 slot. Yeah. But either way, so I think, I think Gibson as the kick returner would be very interesting as the kickoff returner. And then as the punt returner, I would really like to see it be uh, I think I think Maddox is the guy that you're going to look at it because of the short area quickness. I think Sproles will be the guy who gets the initial reps because he's been so good at it historically. I obviously would like for it to be Donnell Pumphrey. That's my boy. Uh, and he has to learn how to return. He never did that in college. But he has the skill set and the traits to be a good returner. So we'll see what a year uh, did for him. Maybe another year within mini camp. But that's like that's a legit camp battle to watch is who's going to take the returner spots for a special teams unit that was really good in 2016 and then dropped off a little bit in 2017. You know what I mean? Yeah. Would you think that maybe we tried to to give Corey Clement some reps there and get him get him comfortable with that? I like him in the I open don't... field. Like he's good at getting his shoulders square, creating two way goes. Like he can break tackles that way. He's not the most dynamic guy, but I think. You know, with what he's been able to do in roles that he necessarily didn't do in college, that might be something that they look at. Just throwing it out there. Yeah, no, I know. I hear you. And I think this is a situation where he could probably do it, but you don't want him to be a returner because right. he's not going to give you, in my opinion, a super big amount of juice. And yeah. simply, you know, you'd like you'd like to have more game breaking potential from a position that you've enjoyed uh, really a lot of dynamic play from over the past couple of years. So that's my thought on the on those uh, situations. My next question for you, because there's a history component of it, so I'm going to field it now uh, before it gets to me. Uh, Stephen McGinley at S underscore McGinley underscore DPT, which Eagles draft pick slash UDFA, so any of the new rookies, has a chance of making the 53-man roster because of his special teams play. Also, is there an early civilization Better than the Harrapin civilization? And then in parentheses, in case you didn't know about the Harrapins, Mike, because you're an unschooled ignoramus uh that's an indus valley civilization so yeah. uh the floor is yours i'm not big on the indus valley history that's that's one of my weak spots they i know they're around for about i don't know about two thousand years and then they were like really kicking it for about six seven hundred years don't know a whole mm-hmm. lot about it i'm more ancient ancient greece mongols rome no i hear you i mean i was i was really interested in the indus valley civilization or the ivc as we call it in my circles <laughs> Um, which, uh, of conference. course, was a Bronze Age civilization. Uh, mature period was really from 2,600 to – how do I say years in BCE? Do I say like 2,600, 1,900? You can 2,600, 1,900 BCE. <laughs> Obviously, mainly in the regions of South Asia, uh, extending from what today is basically Afghanistan to Pakistan to Northwest India. Obviously, big fan of of that civilization. I, I got the that 700 years right as far as the mature period goes. I'm proud of myself. So I do know yeah, a little bit. Uh, right. <laughs> of course, as, as many scholars have commented, Mike, really, um, <laughs> it was, it was, <laughs> it was active from 3300 BCE to 1300 BCE, but that was the mature period, you know, um, because civilizations mature. It, that's the thing they do. Someone needs to come in and save me with like a Tiglath Pileser, the third question right now, because I'm struggling with this one. Look, 
as far as a guy making the chance, having a chance to make the 53 man roster, he got derailed there because of special teams play. I think it has to be Shelton Gibson uh, with the way that the wide receiver depth mm. chart looks. It's supposed to be a rookie, but it's fine. Oh, draft pick or UDFA. Yeah, you're right. It's okay. It's okay because because this is a really good point. So finish it. Yeah, yeah. It was a red shirt year for Shelton Gibson. So I'm going to count him as a rookie. It's a whole Ben Simmons thing going on here. So that's the only thing I know about basketball. Good reference, Mike. Way to reference uh, basketball. Proud of you, man. (laughs) Uh, Shelton Gibson, with the way that the wide receiver depth chart is, if he cannot provide value on special teams – as you know a gunner spot and, and then also working kickoff returns and might he might not make this team I, I don't think that they're beholden to him whatsoever he was what a fifth round pick if he can't crack valuable reps as a wide receiver and he can't win the kick return job which he he did well at West Virginia I remember being that being one of the things that mm-hmm. that brought him value with that pick then what is the reason that he is on this roster occupying a roster spot? So that's my take on that. I know I went a little bit outside the lines, but that's what we like to do here on the Kiss and Select Show. Ben, who do you have? Yeah, so it is actually interesting because usually you look for late-round rookies, uh, and the Eagles' late-round rookies were two offensive tackles, uh, and those guys don't really do too much as far as special teams goes, and so it's a little bit tricky there. And then you go to... The UDFAs, and it's going to be very hard for UDFAs to make such a strong roster. Obviously, we talked about Jeremy Reeves. If Reeves makes the roster, he'll be expected to perform on special teams. However, uh, I, I wouldn't say that's why he makes the roster. You know what I mean? I would say that that's part of his job, and he's going to make the roster because he's going to beat out Chris Maragos and Trey Sullivan, in my opinion. And then you go, oh, they brought in a running back, Josh Adams, but he's not a returner. So, you know, oh, Joe Osman, uh, Central Michigan edge rusher is another good guy they brought right. in, but he's not going to be like a pump block or whatever. So what I'll say is Chandon Sullivan, who's this Ooh. corner out of Georgia State, who may be a safety convert. He may be a, a short zone sort of guy that you play in the nickel. He's a talented player. And it's going to be interesting to see how Philadelphia decides to deploy him in camp and move him around in the secondary. But let's say he impresses in whatever spot he's in and he starts pushing for whatever backup safety reps, you know, uh, deep corner reps he makes on the 53. He'll have to be uh, either a gunner or a vice, either the 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 man on the outside of the punting team who right. sprints down to make the tackle or the vice, the man on the returning team who tries to block the gunner. He'll have to be right. one of the two. I'm not sure if he has experience at either in Georgia State. I'm pretty sure he's not a returner. Uh, so he'd have to be able to do that well if he wants to stick on the 53. So Chandon Sullivan, it's a it's not a likely situation at all, but that's the name I'd circle. All right, we got a few rapid-fire ones I want to get through here. Gabriela Jorge, or George, however, however you want to say that, at Gab's George. <laughs> Is it's it Jorge or George? Jorge. It's probably Jorge. Uh, do you think that the team will seek offensive tackle help in the 2019 draft? And also Bryce Love for potential RB depth in the 2019 draft. Newsflash, guys. Bryce Love might just be a one-contract and brain surgeon type of guy. That's the kind of situation he's got going on in Stanford. That's part of the reason that he went back to Stanford was to focus on his studies. He's got a very uh, lucrative and uh, passion-filled interest uh, career ahead of him in the medical field. So you, you kind of hold your breath on that one as far as uh, uh, picking guys like that because his talent, his talent is definitely there. If Rashad Penny went in the first round this year, if Bryce Love had come out, uh, I feel fully confident that th- he would definitely be in that conversation as well. As far as the OT help, let's talk about this other question along with that. Anthony at uh, Identity Crisis, except the E is an X. 
If Peters retires, how would you feel about Lane Johnson moving to left tackle and Big V starting at right tackle? Look, left tackle, right tackle, tackle football, two-hand touch. I don't care. Big V is not a long-term starter. Both me and Ben feel that way. Ben, you want to pick up on that? Yeah, so uh, do we think the team will seek offensive tackle help in 2019 and then Big V as potential starting right tackle? The the long and the short of it is this. Even if you like Big V, and, and, and again, I don't dislike him. And even if you think he can be a long-term starter, which, again, I think maybe he can be. Like, maybe there's a chance. I don't think he's there yet, but maybe he keeps growing. When you look at this roster and you try to circle weaknesses to address, offensive tackle sticks out. And the Eagles drafted two late-round offensive tackles, clearly trying to get another guy who they think could be depth or they think can develop. Both of them are great on-field athletes at the position. Pryor did not test well, but he moves really well on tape. It's undeniable. Mylotta obviously is an incredible athlete. They're clearly trying to get developmental guys in there, but this is the, it. Just plainly, Jason Peters is likely gone after the season. Lane Johnson is always at risk for a two-game suspension. So yes, they're going to invest in offensive tackle in the 2019 draft, unless Mylotta and Pryor are both big hits, which is a one percent chance. Uh, as far as Lane Johnson to the left, Big V to the right, if Big V is brought in as uh, the guy who's going to be the long-term starter, they've got to check in at camp and see how they feel about it because teams still acknowledge the difference between left tackle and right tackle, even though it's it's getting more and more nominal. And obviously, Big V has taken a lot of reps at left and Lane has taken a lot of reps at right. So maybe you just leave uh, Big V on the, on the left-hand side. Obviously, I think that, you know, Having Steven Wisniewski at left guard as a long-term contract, which he isn't right now, would make that a better situation, whereas maybe Big V at right tackle next to Brandon Brooks, who is a long-term guy, would help him in that regard just with communication and the, and the like. But the, again, this is something you'd riddle out in camp, so there's no answer to that just yet. And that's 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 kind of we'll put a bow on the on the tackle situation for that right now. Well, <laughs> as rookie minicamp comes through and we see how they're using prior Malata, we'll be able to talk about it more. Yeah, that, that move from left tackle to right tackle for Big V doesn't sound as good to me when you consider that Demarcus Lawrence is taking his steps over the right tackle. So right in our mm-hmm. division and uh, had a had a pretty, pretty big year. Not talked about a whole lot because the Cowboys didn't make the playoffs because they suck. And that's going to be an issue if I ties on the right side with Demarcus Lawrence coming at his head. All right. Last question here. Actually, a couple. Matt yeah. at Peckins. Matt says, who's the starting quarterback week one? Nate, question mark. And he has Geis as his profile pick. I hate you, Matt. Please go away. And Charles. You like Geis. <laughs> he's a Redskins fan, this guy. Oh, okay. Well, all right. Let's, and he's, let's and do he's, percentages. And he's completely breezing past the Super Bowl MVP and Nick Foles. Okay. Well, he's assuming Nick is traded, man. Which is not a wild assumption. Let's let's do percentages. Like, give me a percent chance it's Carson, percent chance it's Nick, percent chance it's Nate. Don't be mean this. to my boy Matt. Matt's asking <laughs> us questions, man. Matt is a listener. He's a gentle listener, and we are nice to them. Fine. Uh, 100% Nick Foles. I'll, I'll go with that. Actually, no. All right. So, the recovery time. I don't think Wentz is going to be ready week one, dude. I think it's going to be more like anywhere from week five, week six. I think that's a more realistic timetable. I know Wentz is working out like a freaking animal right now to get back and nothing that that man does could surprise me or will ever surprise me. Uh, However, I do think that week one is a little too soon and I don't think the Eagles are going to feel pressed to bring him back if they don't feel he's ready, especially if Nick Foles is still on the roster. So as far as percentage wise, let's go 70% Foles, 25% 20 per, 25% Wentz, 5% Nate Sudfeld. 50% Carson, 35% Nick, 15% Nate, 
How dare you predict that Carson is not going to be ready for week one? Get off the podcast. Carson is going <laughs> to step said- into the pool. Carson is going to step into the pool of Silouam, biblical, and heal his <laughs> knee and come back stronger than ever. His knee, his tendons are going to be stitched together with ambrosia and angel hair. Man, this is Carson we're talking about. Uh, I think he's going to be back for week one. I think he's going to be doing everything he can be. And I do think that we will hear more trade rumors around Nick Foles through the season. So, yeah, there is a slight chance that it's Sudfeld. Obviously, against the Falcons, you don't want to be dropping that game. That's going to be an NFC contender. But Philadelphia should not be too worried about missing the first two or three games of the season. You know, with Carson in this roster, they should be able to comfortably win the NFC East. And 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 ensuring Carson's long-term health is obviously the priority. So, according to Ben, Carson Wentz is going to have the Gordian not of ACLs. All right, Charles oh, yes. at SCK8182. After the draft, how much are the Eagles under the cap for 2018? And is defensive tackle going to be a problem for 2018 with the recent injury to Timmy Jernigan? We talked about this, uh, and not the cap situation. We'll talk about that in a second here. Uh, but we talked about the Timmy, Timmy Jernigan situation on the last show and the last week's uh, BGN main episode. They talked about that a lot. Obviously, there's going to be some drop off from Timmy Jernigan to whoever takes those snaps. It's going to be an amalgamation of, of Haloti Nada, Elijah Coyles, uh, whoever can win that, win that job, win those reps, Destiny Vio. It's going to be split between those guys. Uh, moving forward. Yeah, uh, if Jernigan is not available long term, and let's say one of those other guys that I mentioned, not including Nada, some of the younger guys on the roster don't take big steps forward this next year. This is something that the Eagles were looking at heavily in the offseason. They're going to continue to do so next season if they go ahead and decline that picking up the option, which is $11 million for Timmy Jernigan next year. I would fully expect them to address that uh, sooner than later for sure, depending on how that herniated disc heals and how the Eagles feel about it. Uh, ben, we are uh, a cool, what, $1 million un- under the cap for this year? Yeah, one, uh, 1.076. That number will, will wiggle as uh, the Eagles make cuts because obviously they've got 90 players on the roster right now. So the, the, the number that's currently projected with the cap is the top 51 number. It's, you know, kind of taking a rough estimate for how things will be. When Philadelphia makes cuts, there may be a little bit more of finagling that has to be done or room that, that is created depending on who they cut, you know, because I look at uh, the guys that are on their roster and I look at, at a Chris Maragos, who's a cool, you know, $2 million. I look at a Michael Kendricks, who's somewhere around, I think, a 7 or $8 million cap right. hit. And these are figures that could be gone, you know, uh, you know, players that could be easily moved. And so, I, you know, they should be fine. The moral of the story is that the as we as the Kiston Solak show dutifully reported, uh, the cap issues of this winter were far overblown. And yeah. didn't actually exist, and everything is fine. The end. Yeah, if I'd have told you coming into that situation that not only are we fine with the cap, but we're also going to add Michael Bennett and his contract, people are like, no way, you freaking extend idiot. Nigel Bradham, <laughs> extend Nigel Bradham at the same time when we See, were worried he was going to press like, himself even out. After the Bennett contract, I did not think we were going to be able to extend Bradham. Like, and like, and that's how For well sure. the situation was handled. <laughs> And then you got you got Pro Bowl guards taking pay cuts for Super Bowl MVPs out of appreciate. It's crazy, man. This roster is awesome. These guys have bought in. Good job, Howie. I am never going to worry about the cap again. I mean, obviously, there's a realistic uh, expectation you have on what kind of free agents you can bring in and whatnot. But as far as being worried about it, uh, I'm never going to stress over it. Howie's going to find a way through Howie. All things are possible. Ben, that is going to do it 
for the counterpart hashtag counterpart Twitter mailbag. We're ant- we're antagonistic, man. We're not good people. I don't know what you're talking about. What did I say? You're right. Never mind. That's a good point. Counterpart <laughs> mailbag podcast. We're fantastic. Listen to the Kiss and Solak show. That sounds right. All right, Ben. Uh, let the gentle, gentle listeners know we already talked about what we're going to have on tap for the rest of the week. We're going to be looking for some new stuff, some news to drop, hopefully, so we can talk about that news with you, gentle listener. We're also going to be talking about rookie mini camps, maybe diving into some position battles throughout this week, next week, moving forward. Ben, say goodbye to the gentle listeners, though. Oh, gentle listeners, what's up? Thank you, as always. It's been the Kiston Solak Show, presented to you by the fine folks at BGN Radio. I've been Benjamin Solak on Twitter, at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-I-K. That's Michael Kist on Twitter, at Michael Kist. I nope. that's K-I-S-T. Now, as, as Mike was saying, we know we've got planned for the rest of the week, Rookie Minicamp. We're very excited about this. But, of course, as we go into the offseason, if you have anything you'd like for us to cover, if you have any sort of show concepts you'd like for us to hit, we got time, baby, because there ain't no football <laughs> till August. Bad news. But the good news is, you know, we're going to be here with you the entire steps of the way. And so if you have anything you'd like to be seeing from us, written, audio, or otherwise, hit us up. It is an open-door policy here at the Kiston Solak Show. We love all of you, except for poor Matt, who pissed off Mike for whatever reason. Come on, <laughs> swing by. Let us know what you want to hear from us. We are excited to be with BGN Radio this offseason. Thank you so much for listening. Everybody go yell at Matt because he's got Darius guys. This is his profile pick. Because we all we got, we all we need, fly, Eagles, fly. Thank you.